Can you hear me? Yes. The suite are taking place. <laughs> so nice to to meet you. It's the first time I come here. First time in Southampton. As you might have noticed, first with my first name, then with my accent, I'm not English. <laughs> I'm French. Um, currently living in Paris. Um, I am 26, almost 27 years old, and um, I grew up in Strasbourg. And this, this is how I met uh, Jez when he was uh, serving there. You arrived in 2006. I was 11 years old. And yeah, makes a while. <laughs> and we've become friends through these uh, one-to-one sessions that we had, these, these times together, just giving me, he was giving me advice, giving me encouragements, and it was really good. And at first it was maybe more uh, an adult with a, a child, but he's become a, a good friend. And I'm happy to see you, to see the church where he's uh, now serving, the church uh, who, that is supporting him for so many years. So <laughs> it's good to be here. And so, uh, I'm going to say a few words about the Psalm 12. So, this Psalm, yes, as uh, Jess said, it's a lament, and it's one of the 73 Psalms of the Bible that is set, that is written to be composed by, by David. Maybe some others were composed by him, but um, this one was, and this psalm is quite short. It's only eight verses. And we can divide it into two parts. The, the first part, it's the, the, the prayer of David. It's not only a prayer, it's also an observation of what David was saying around him uh, in Jerusalem. He was the, the king of Jerusalem at, uh, at this time. And then we have the answer of the Lord in the second part. What will the Lord answer to, to the prayer of, um, of David. So I'm going to, to, to analyze each of these parts and then trying to make a conclusion of all of that. So what does the passage say? So the, the first four verses, as I said, it's a, it's a prayer. We see that in verse 1, David is asking for help. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful. So he's uh, addressing, uh, he's uh, talking to the Lord. May the Lord silence all flattering lips. So it is a, it is a prayer. David is asking, asking for, for something, asking for help. And why is David asking for help? Because of everything that he sees, everything that he sees around him. It's, this was the, the world at the time of David. So we see no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. People are lying, are flattering, are having a boastful tongue. And this, this was the world at the time of David. And we could wonder, what about now? Has it really changed? And yesterday we were talking about the differences between France and UK, and there could have. We noticed that the buses are higher here than in, <laughs> in France. We do not have two, two, two floors. Um, but for the, the world in itself, it's, it's the same in France or in England or in the UK or in the US or in Germany or wherever we want. And it was also the case at the time of David uh, 3,000 years ago. 
and it was different, but the world, spiritually talking, was, was the same, and as it's written in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, and we can say that today, there's nothing new under the sun as well. And we see also in this first part that David is focusing on what the people were saying. Uh, the lies, the flatteries, the boastful tongue. And in, when I was reading this psalm, I, I found many parallels with the, the book of James. I found it really interesting to, to, to draw this parallel and to find the, the equivalences in, uh, in the book of James. We can read concerning the, the, what I call the, the power of the tongue, it's more an expression that we can find in James. In James 3, verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So it's uh, strong words from, from James. But what James is saying is that the mouth can indeed have a, a destroying power, and this is also what David was, uh, was saying, the, all these lies, these flatteries, this, this boastful tongue, it was having a destroying power, and this is what David was observing. And now um, there is something else, because before saying something wrong, before lying, before having a boastful tongue, there is something, and this is what you can read in, in, verse, uh, in verse 2. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in the hearts. It means that beforehand, before saying something wrong, before saying evil things, there is this process of harboring, of uh, conceiving something in the heart that leads to these evil uh, words, evil, uh, yeah. So, and here the parallel with James is in James chapter 1, verse 15. Then, so James is talking about the, the evil desire. In French, we have a, a special word. I think maybe have it in English, cov covetousness or something like that. The evil desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And I was thinking of that when I was reading this, uh, this expression, harboring in the heart. I was thinking of, of the parallel with conceiving an evil plan because there is this evil desire. This evil desire is in the world. We know what is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of um, flesh and uh, the pride of life in First John 2.16. And because of all these things, we have evil thoughts it, it, or evil desires. Then it conceives something. This is what David is calling harboring in the heart. And it gives birth to sin. And these sins here, the lies, the flatteries, the boastful tongue. And when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. And death could say many things about that, but it's the, we can consider it as the separation from God, the spiritual uh, separation. But there is a solution to be reconciled, but we will talk, talk on that um, in a few, few seconds. So this is, yeah, this, this first part, it's um, at the same time a prayer of David, but be, because he's observing all the evil around him, so he's asking for, for help, 
verse 1, but also may the Lord silence all flattering lips. And in other versions, it's also said, uh, may the Lord cut off. So it's, it's quite strong what, um, what David is, is asking help, but also that all these, uh, these uh, lips can be, can be silenced. And the question we could ask is, what about us? How can this passage talk to us? So we've already said a, a few words about that. And coming back to the tongue, um, in James 3, let me read another passage in, in, from verse 9 to 12. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So we could think, okay, this is the world. This is what David was observing. We will see in the second part there is the, the word, the wicked. And the wicked in the Bible, it's always the... Um, the ones who are not among God's people, the ones who are not saved. But we see in this, this passage of James that we also need to be careful because this, this should not be, as, David, uh, as uh, James says, but this can be. And we need to be careful. How should we do then? And then we come back to the, also this passage of James 1. I'm going to read James 1, verse 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then again, verse 15 that we read just before. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So here as well, this is in the, in the New Testament. James is talking to, to Christians. This is what we see in the introduction of his, uh, his letter. And we can also be taken in this, what I will call this vicious circle of, uh, of, uh, that James is describing. Evil desire, aware or not. Sometimes we can have evil desire that we're not aware of and we need a, a revelation from God to, to, to show us that it, we have um, evil desire. Or sometimes it's aware. Then it can lead to an evil plan. Then it can lead to sin progressively, and when it is foregrown, death or separation from God. And of course, as Christians, we have a solution if we are separated from God. But what we need to do is not to wait for the fourth uh, step of the, of the process, death. What we need is to break, break the circle as soon as possible. And how? If we have an evil desire or an evil plan, we have always the possibility to refuse it. And how? And here we could check the example of Jesus. It's the best example in the, in the New Testament. When he was in the desert, he quoted the word. The, the devil, Satan, uh, came to him three times, and he quoted the Deuteronomy three times. So with the, the, the Bible, with the word of God, it's, it's one of the best solutions. It is written... Uh, you shall not tempt your, um, your God. So it's one way. Then the second way, of course, it's prayer. Here as well, Jesus in the desert, he was not just spending good time in the desert. No, he was, uh, 
it was hard. He was uh, fasting and um, praying. He was, I think he was praying in the desert. He was seeking his father, and uh, it's also a good solution. If we are in communion with God through the word, through prayer, we will be able more easily to break this, uh, this circle. And if we have reached the last step, which is uh, sin and then death, there is always a solution, which is repentance. And here, coming back to, to, the, to the psalm, David, who wrote that, we don't know if he wrote this psalm after or before uh, his sin with uh, Bathsheba, but he knows and he knew this process of repentance. We, we can read that in Psalm 51, for instance. God is full of mercy, and if we have reached the last step, there is always repentance. And then the circle is broken, and the sin has no power over us. So I think, yeah, this is um, one way that this, this passage can, can talk to us. So yes, we have the world around us. We're not, we, need not to be, we must not be taken into this process. And God wants to, to keep us, and there is a solution to, to, to get out of this, uh, of this process. So this was the, the first part. Then if we go to the, um, the second part, verses 5 to 8. So there we have the answer of the Lord. I'm going to just to read it again because I uh, uh, just read it, but it was uh, already 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so verse 5 to 8, Psalm 12. Because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked, who freely stretch about when what is vile is honored by the human race. So David was asking for help. The Lord answers I will now arise and protect my people. This is the, the, the answer of the Lord. And what is causing this reaction of the Lord? It's, okay, yes, it's the prayer of David, but it's written in verse 5, because the poor are plundered and the needy grown. So it's for, for this reason. It's not because of the evil words or the evil plans of what David was saying around him. It does not mean that God... Uh, accepts that or is in, indifferent to that. But uh, here his reaction, I will now arise and protect my people, is because, of, um, because the, yeah, the poor are plundered and they need to grow. In James 5, verse 4, you can see also a, a parallel with, uh, with that. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So James is talking to rich people, um, but not because they were rich, but because they, they had a bad attitude with their riches. And um, here also in James 5, it's, well, poor and needy that God wants to protect, but physically or naturally talking. In this passage the, of the psalm, 
12, it can be the, those who are poor and needy naturally, but it's mostly spiritually that God wants to protect his people who are poor and needy. And yeah, it reminds me of, a, when I was reading that, it reminded me of a famous uh, hymn that I like in English. Um, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. And I really like this, uh, this hymn, but it's, it's not only a hymn, it comes from the Bible. And yes, we could think that this expression, poor and needy, is, um, yeah, we could think, okay, why was David poor and needy? He was the king over Israel. He had everything he wanted. So, of course, he's talking spiritually. And what is also very interesting to notice in verse 7, David, the, David is writing, You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever. So he's talking about the needy, and then the Lord will protect us. So in a way, he's including himself among those who are protected by the Lord and therefore among those who are poor and needy. And we could, you could say maybe it's a shortcut and you're going a little bit uh, too far, but in four Psalms, there is this expression, I am poor and needy, and it is always said by David in, in a Psalm of David. For instance, in Psalms 40, verse 17, But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. And there is also Psalm 75, 86, 1, or 109, 22. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. So David, in four Psalms and also in this Psalm 12, maybe indirectly, not directly, but he's saying, I am poor and needy. And as I said, he was the king over Israel, so he had everything that he wanted. So we are sure that he was not talking about uh, his goods or what he was lacking. He had everything he wanted. And, but he was poor and needy spiritually. So it's very important to, yeah, to understand this, that this uh, state is, uh, is spiritual. And... So those who are poor and needy, so first they are protected from the wicked. This is what we see in Psalm 12. The wicked who malign them. In, in Hebrew, it's who blow against them. And who freely strut about. And David was hating Injustice. Also, we see that in many, many psalms that David was uh, hating injustice and God as well. He hates injustice. And David was not bearing the fact that they were doing evil things. They were maligning those who were poor and needy. And then they freely strut about. Um, yeah, they freely strut about. They are here without being punished. And that was also on David's heart. And it's interesting because, as I said, in the first part, David was asking for help, but also that the Lord may silence all flattering lips or cut off all uh, flattering lips. And in, in the second part of the, um, of the psalm, the Lord is more answering on the first prayer of David that the Lord will protect his people. He'll protect them spiritually. 
He's not talking about the, any punishment or things like that. And another parallel with James, James 4, verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And we could think about that. Yes, it's true. God hates injustice. It's written many times in the Bible. God will judge. But we need, we, we need and we can cry to God for, for injustice that he will do something against that. But we must not judge ourselves and take the place of God. God is the lawgiver and judge and he will, he will make his job, we can say. He will, he will do that because what he says, he will do this. And it's a good transition with the, the last verse of the second part that we that I have not talked about yet. God will do what he promised because his words are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So it's, it's amazing. What the Lord says is perfect. It's flawless. It's precious because silver and gold, they are the, the most precious uh, metals that we, we can find in the, in the Bible. Purified and refined. So it means it has been tested and, and tried. And in a crucible, so at really high temperature, and seven times. Seven times, it's also a, um, a number of perfection. So the words of the Lord, we have no doubt, they are perfect. And the words of the Lord compose the word of the Lord. So what God says, he will do that. And this is also the, the, the safety of David, that the Lord speaks and he will protect his people. And it's a real safety for us as well, because he will protect us. And it's very important. And <clears throat> to finish this second part, just a few words, a few questions we could have. What about us? Of course, the first question is, as we poor and needy as David was, and as I said, we need to consider that spiritually. In James 4, verse 9 and 10, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. We don't need to forget that it's a psalm of lament. So, And... It's true in this passage, James is not talking to all Christians. He's talking to Christians who were friends of the world. And they were not feeling poor and needy at all. They had everything that they, they wanted, and they were not feeling poor and needy, living, in a, living their life. We will go there. We will run a business. They don't even ask God what they need to do. And James blames them for that. Of course, not for being rich. And... Okay, it's those who were rich, but what... Well, in this passage, I mean they were rich, but it's talking to all Christians, this fact of being poor and needy, and we can also think about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When I was young, I was not understanding uh, poor in spirit. What does it mean? <laughs> but it's when in your heart you feel needy, you feel that you, you, you know that you, you need God to feel something in your heart. And... It's, it's an attitude, and it's an everyday attitude. And if we have this attitude, we will be blessed. Not according to the world, but according to God. We have the, the blessing of God, which is the, the most important one. 
And very quickly, two, two questions. What is our attitude when we see injustice? Do we pray for our enemies? In the Old Testament, we see many psalms where David was asking for his enemies to be destroyed. Today, we know with the teaching of Jesus that we need to love our enemies. We cannot make such prayers as David was uh, making uh, in other psalms. Do we rely on God? Do we, how do we react in front of um, injustice? It can be a test sometimes. And James 1.12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, which could be, for instance, injustice, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And last point, concerning the words of God. And yeah, as I said, the, the words of the Lord form the word of the Lord. And God wants to reveal his word to, to us. And James 1.25, But whoever looks intently, thoroughly, we can also say, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How do we consider God's words? Is it a perfect law? And it gives freedom. It gives freedom of this vicious circle that we saw at the beginning because we will be free from sin, free from condemnation, free from, from everything. It's, yeah, it's a, a great freedom. So, conclusion. Um, as a conclusion, the world... So the first part of the, of the psalm was referring to the world. The world will not change. We saw that it was what David is describing, was describing. It's also the, the case today. In the end of the psalm, what is vile is honored by the human race. This is what we see today. today. What is vile is honored, unfortunately, in our society. So the world does not change and will not change. Okay. Then, second part. God does not change either. He judges he stands for his people. He listens to their prayers. His words are perfect and pure. He will arise and protect his people. We could say many other things, but what God says, he will do, and that will not change either. So the world does not change. God does not change. And what about us? And in this psalm, we see two categories. We see the wicked, so we, says it, we said it's the world. And... This is those who do not know God. So for most of us here, I think we're not in this category. And then we have the poor and needy. And it is this category that God will protect. And we could stay in the middle. We could be Christians and not being poor and needy. This is what I mean. And as James was saying, this should not be. We, we should not stay in the middle. This is not what God calls us to, the Christian life that God calls us to, to have. And I will not going, I'm not going to remind all the, to recall all the, the questions that I have asked uh, in, the, the first, the, in the two parts, but just let's keep one. Are we poor and needy? Do we, in our heart, do we seek God? Do we... Yeah, do we want God to fill the, the lack that we have? Even if we are Christians, we always need to, to, to have God filling this, this lack in our heart. And if yes, if we have this attitude, the Lord will keep us safe 
and he will protect us. And there is one word that I did not uh, talk about. Forever. He will protect us forever from the wicked in this life, but also, of course, in, in eternal life. And yeah, the protection of the Lord is something amazing. And it's so important that we, we take this protection, that we, yeah, that we receive this protection from God. We have it when we're Christians, but we need to, to keep the full, the full, um, Equipment in Ephesians 6, for instance, the, all the arms, uh, the weapons of, uh, of the Christians to be protected from God. So I'm just going to, to pray to, to finish that we can have, a, that we can be poor and needy. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this, this Psalm 12. It's true, it's a psalm of lament. It's not always uh, about... Rejoicing, being happy, you know, we, we also have in our lives, Lord, uh, complaints or laments or when we see the world around us, Lord, today, it has not changed. It's, it was the, the, the case at the time of David and it's the case today, Lord, the, the, the violence is exalted uh, among us, well, not among us, but in the world, Lord, and we pray for your protection, Lord. We make the, the same prayer as, as David, Lord, protect us and we want your protection. We want to be poor and needy as David showed us in so many psalms and we, we were seeing his attitude, Lord. We want to have the same attitude, Lord. We want to be poor and needy. We want to be poor in spirit to receive what you have prepared for us, Lord. And you want to protect us. This protection is, is spiritual, Lord, and you want to, yeah, in, you want our hearts to be kept under your, your power, Lord, and under your hand because your protection is perfect. Your words are perfect, Lord, and you will accomplish your word and you will protect us. Even if we don't feel it, it doesn't matter, Lord, you protect us. And we know that because your word is true, is pure, is perfect, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your protection, Lord. Amen.